Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The fact that we're told by men in suits that like, oh, you need to be more reasonable and you need to like consider all the, the options here and we're, we're, we're progressing gradually and it's like, you need to be more reasonable. Mm. You're, you're literally playing with the future of, of human existence and that's not hyperbole like that is that's what we're talking about hello and welcome to a life in dublin i'm your host mark and with your permission we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least i was delighted to welcome back the accidental rapper for his second appearance on the podcast the man weaves his music his career and his activism into a singular tapestry all driven by a relentless quest for a better world in this episode, we chat about his upcoming music, recording processes, environmental issues, and Ireland's current and historic stance of neutrality. Find links to the Accidental Rapper's music and socials in the description of this episode. A big thanks to all those sharing and rating the podcast. It really does mean the world to me that you do it. Now, here's my conversation with the Accidental Rapper. We have, so there's, um, there's someone who comes to our events. Uh, she's lovely. Uh, Joanna is her name, and she reached out just as I posted that uh, thing on Instagram today about the new studio. And she was like, "I'm an interior designer, <laughs> and I need to like build my portfolio. I'll be happy to be here for free." So, because as she was saying, what you could, it's just something small that maybe can convert the room totally. Does that make you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that with everything. Though. Like to you know, it's, when someone has the oh, you for like you find it with music and, and like everything, Joe. Yeah, you know, I'd bring a song to. A producer or something and they just be like oh yeah we'll like just put like a little bit of reverb on this like have like the piano drop out at this point have the drums come in and like just small tweaks and it's like that sounds so much better and i never i never really figured it out yeah There's someone who like knows what they're doing they just instantly can see these things and be like oh this is like a really quick fix that will like make a huge difference how important for you is it like the producer and <laughs> you know like i was I've heard some songs uh, over the last year, live. Um, not yours, not many of them that we really know, but, and then I've heard them recorded, and I felt like sometimes there's the soul of the song that's been stripped away. And whereas other songs, they, I hear them recorded, and it's like, no, no, that's, that's the song. That's what it's supposed to be. And 
And I don't know if that is the artist. I don't know if that's the producer. I, I don't, like, well, I think it's, it's much more important now, I realize, than what I used to think. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I, I, I had a lot of them with, like, stuff where I'll, I'll come across, figure with, like, rappers and stuff. You come across them on, like, doing, like, a live freestyle or something or, like, fire in the booth or something like that. Um, and it's like really passionate, like really like yeah. high energy. And then you hear like recorded song on Spotify, and it was obviously done in a studio, and it's like way more stripped back or mellow. And you're like, I actually don't like this as much as like the raw one that I saw. Yeah. Live. Um, and that's fair enough as well because that's the benefit and that's the beauty of live music. But what I like um, that can happen sometimes. I think. You know what, like, sometimes you're listening to a song and it's like, it's like listening on, you know, whereas in a studio sometimes it's a bit slower, it's more like perfect, I guess. Sure. Um, and, but, and then when it's live, it's kind of like more gritty and there's more emotion and stuff. So, but that's fine. But sometimes I feel like the actual, the whole, like, layout of the song is totally different, you know, like quite a dramatic change. And yeah. listen, maybe that was the artist's choice more than anything. Else. I mean, I've only I've only properly recorded like three songs, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all different. Like, there's no. I still like to people like, oh, you need to like find your sound or whatever. Um, I'm definitely not there. Like, all three of my songs are totally different. There's like one that's like done electric guitar instrumental. There's one that's um, done off like I don't even know what instrument. It's 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 like a completely remixed beat, and um, it's like strings, like violins, and and all sorts of stuff. The, ne- the most recent one um, is mainly acoustic guitar and yeah. like piano and stuff and bass put in over it um, and yeah all very different topics all very different tempos um, so yeah do you go in before you record those songs with an idea of how it, like what instruments are going to be used or it's kind of you build it as you're in the studio I'll have some ideas um, mm. but usually I find out that they're wrong <laughs> no, um, I'd, have, I'd have like some ladies will be like, oh, I had a vision for the song. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not that weighted to it. Like, it's, I know the messages I'm trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And I know roughly like the tone that I want the song to be in, like, jump on it to be like really high energy or like really like somber. Like, that's kind of the level I'm operating at. And then, like, I kind of trust the music expert to to make the the calls on mm. on like I'll, I'll have suggestions I'll have like reference tracks I'll be like oh like I was listening to this song and I, I really like the way they did this can we get something similar I'd be like oh that wouldn't really work for this song but maybe we could like I don't know sample something that's like a similar instrument or, or, or whatever um, so there's like I'm learning loads which I love but like yeah uh, yeah the songs that come out at the end there's no way I could have predicted, and they're better than I could have made them myself if I tried to, to do it myself and enable you or something. Um, but I've been told as well that um, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of picky. I'm a little perfectionist. Where like they'll send something and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's really good." But like, what about like took something totally different? And they're like, "Man, I just spent like two hours like making that thing." And they're like, "Oh, I but no, I've got this idea of like something else." Um, or I'd be like, <laughs> "Is there a way that like we can like make this line?" And like hit harder or like put more emphasis on this one. Yeah, and like there is a way. Like you can go back and re-record it <laughs> and like do it properly. Like, okay, well, but and um, so yeah, I'm definitely like learning like a lot with that stuff. And I'm like, that's the I should be though, in my opinion. Like if you're, you've got an ear to make things better, to a like that's that's a quality. I know I can totally totally understand that. And at the end of the day, that's like. You know, I have st- things to do with the podcast, right? Where sometimes every now and then we'll get someone to help 
with whatever it might be. And, and I'll, you know, pay them out of the little, it's out of my own pocket. Like I make the smallest amount of money from this podcast. Like it's, it's nothing, it's more. Like, you don't want to add a thing off this to you? I do actually. Oh, I didn't know about Like really to get ads, it'd make very, I'd, like listen, to be like perfectly clear, I'll probably make. You don't need to like disclose the figure. It's, like, like it's very small amount of money. Yeah, yeah. Very small amount of money. Like, um, uh, to the point where I'm like, oh, why, why, why do I even bother? But um, I think really to make a bit of money from a podcast, you need to get sponsorship, which I haven't looked for. Or you could do the whole Patreon in June. Um, and I've, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that either. But maybe at some point down, down the line, if I choose to make it my full-time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but well, my point being, anyway, you'll pay somebody a little bit of money. It's mostly out of your own pocket. And you're not paying them a huge amount of money, so what you get back is is going like you can't complain too much or, or somebody will do something to you for free and out of their own generosity because they like the project or whatever and you can be kind of like well well you know it, it, there's only so much you can say so i, I kind of empathize with you at that point of view that like, like unless you're paying someone like really top dollar then it's hard to it's hard to to manage what your expectations are versus what somebody who just wants to go for a pint or something. Yeah. And there's also a level as well of like, like for just the people, if any of them are listening, the people I've worked with on my songs are, are not just lads who can go for points, like they're dedicated musicians and they're really good at what they do. But there's also a level of like, I'll hear something and I'm like, oh, like I don't like the way I pronounce that word and maybe I need to retake. And they'd be like, you are the only person who's going to notice that. Yeah. No, like there's, 500 words, a thousand words on this song, whatever it is. Yeah. Then the fact that that one syllable is off, like you're the only one paying close enough attention because you, you know how you want it to sound. People who've heard it for the first time assume that that's the way it's supposed to sound. Yes. Do you know what I mean? you're like, oh, I did it wrong. But like nobody knows. They, this song hasn't been for. There is no wrong. There's no right. Yeah. And this is just how it sounds. Um, so yeah, I definitely find I get caught up because it's like, I suppose, and I spoke to you about this on the last podcast, like I had so much anxiety about putting something up in the first place. And, um, but then when I and now that I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, I want it to be like just right. Like I'm, um, you kind of, yeah, you get wedded to your work that way. And but it's good to to have people who can check you and just be like, this is not noticeable. Don't don't even worry about it. like it's also a lot of these songs because of the topics I talk about. I have to like get them out to a timeline because there's like something happening on a campaign, and I'm like, okay, dear, I want to get this out. And so the people can hear it before a decision is made, rather, like rather than have it come out after the fact. Mm. Um, so in those circumstances, it's like, okay, well, we like we can go back to square one and, and start again, but like this yeah. this will this will run the risk of not coming out in time, and then um, you have to make those trade offs. Yeah. yeah, that's a challenge. If you like, you said you, okay, granted, you said you've recorded three songs, and um, actually. I've recorded, right? I've recorded six, I've released three. Okay, perfect. I've recorded six. Let's go back to the, like, um, when you, before you have recorded anything. And um, is there something that you do now in preparation or something that you've learned that you can take with and that you didn't way back before you have recorded anything? I don't know. I mean, probably not. As I said, it's like each experience has been different and I, deliberately work with different people each time and um, okay. just because uh, cool. uh, a lot of talented people around the place that I'm lucky enough to have in my circles and it's fun to learn from new people and everyone has different approaches yeah um, 
and like I'll go back to some of the same people on certain things like I might get someone else to produce the sound and I'll, I'll get someone I worked with before to do the mastering because they're familiar with my work and, and they know kind of um, it's, it's just good to have like second opinion and stuff too yeah. but like yeah I'm very new to all this like I don't have a musical background myself I'm learning all the time um, so yeah I'm, I'm always just looking to like work with new people and, and just everyone adds something else to the table and brings new perspectives yeah and um, so yeah it's like what was the original question it was so it was just basically I was wondering if you had like learned something like that where you would take something in if you were about to record a song yeah and maybe you, you wouldn't have thought of before before recording no but, I mean the biggest thing is that like every time I work with someone new on a different song I'll pick up more of the kind of jagging which is really helpful because oh, yeah. like at the start like, you're just like oh can you can you make my voice really echoey or something? They're like, you mean reverb? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next time you go in, you're like, can you add some reverb to that? They're like, no problem. Yeah. And you're like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely wrong. But that's the same with anything. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Even even sometimes in in, in my my actual job that I have to because I work with people who work like with uh, AI and machine learning and stuff like that, and they sometimes ask me to help. I say, well, I don't have a clue how to do what you do. But if you just tell me some of the words, <laughs> because I'll, I'll Google it or I'll YouTube it. But without knowing those few words, I'll be here for hours. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'll be like, computer that uh, does this. <laughs> and I'll be just wasting everybody's time. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just like knowing enough to know what question to ask. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's been a mad ride, isn't it? Like, uh, second year playing Master Pippin this year. Yeah, how was that? Uh, yeah, it was class. Um, second year of the Electric Picnic, and the I got to play all together now for the first time this year as well. Okay, um, which was a festival I hadn't even been to before, um, so it was class to be able to, to play at it. Um, and then yeah, kind of I've three songs up on on Spotify um, as of today, and have a couple more in the mix. Um, been yeah, just been flat out mad busy um, which is good like it's it's a good complaint to have yeah. um, but yeah no EP was, was really good um, I got to play with Luke Lockin again so Luke um, I was on the Saturday so he joined me on stage for uh, one of the songs on my set and then he was playing on the Sunday so I got to, to perform a song with him on the Sunday um, which was yeah it was really really good result yeah he's great at like setting them out isn't he it's, it just brings a real ING and he's great his, his like crowd work is class yeah like, he just got to see everyone involved everyone singing along um, and just his I've said it before like his hooks are so catchy he's like the master of, of catchy goers and stuff he is yeah he's so good but yeah uh, that's that's wild that you've done all that and making reality a very short amount of time I said this to you last time like this is like it's class, but it's, it, oh, I also like find it hilarious. <laughs> this is such a, like, getting by off the skin of your teeth kind of a, it feels like a bluff from where I'm sitting. It's like, a, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I still wouldn't regard myself as like a musician or anything like that. Um, but, uh, how good people are you now? Was it like, if, if people um, haven't heard the first conversation, <laughs> Uh, I thought it was hilarious the fact that you, you, you didn't even tell your housemates that oh, uh, yeah, you were going out to perform some of these songs and even to the point where they were, I think some of them were getting a bit worried about it. Um, I, do you feel a bit more comfortable now with, with saying, I know that you would, I know I know you and I know that you wouldn't announce, you wouldn't just go up to a random person and say, I'm, like, yeah. I'm a rapper. Uh, <laughs> but maybe within a, a, a community of musicians or something, would you feel a bit more? It's funny, I was actually... Uh, I was at the dentist last week. I'd been to the dentist in like five years. And 
out in and they were like, oh, like you need to like get a lot of fillings and all this stuff. And I was like, oh. and, and I was like, oh, like, is my mouth going to be like all swollen after this? Like, um, and they're like, oh, like you, you should be fine whenever like you can still like, you can be able to like talk and eat. And I was like, yeah, but like, will, will like there be swelling? Cause I, I was like, see, like I'm, I'm a singer. <laughs> I didn't want to that just like yeah I know a rapper as like I'm a singer so like I need to know if like I need to like pick a time when I'm not gigging to like get this to get this yeah did you ask about any golden teeth I think that would really <laughs> add, add to the rapper for songs um, so yeah even now I still have like a bit of like uh, again it's just because it's how you be received and whatever but um, it's definitely like telling my housemates was the best decision ever because now we can actually rehearse in my bedroom, which is like before I was, I told you I was like recording my sounds yeah. in the care bag in Little in the back of my car, just cause <laughs> like at 11 o'clock at night, just cause I didn't know if people know. And yeah. then, so now it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot, a lot easier to just be able to rehearse and stuff in my reading. Considering that you like live, the, the rapper life is almost like your Batman life, right? You're, let's say, <laughs> yeah. let's say you're Bruce Wayne during the day and, and you, I was just, I just watched Batman again recently. That's what was in my head. Um, the Bruce Wayne there during the day, you know, that, that's your, your kind of day job. Um, and this whole Batman thing is, are you, uh, let's say, more committed to it? Or like, is it, is it, are you just kind of going with the flow like you were the last time? Or are you, do you have certain ambitions or objectives with, with the music? Yeah, I mean, I think I said this last time as well. I kind of came to the realization that like, when stuff goes wrong in my life or when stuff is pissing me off in the news or whatever. Yeah. I tend to write about it um, and I don't always put out those songs and I don't always perform those songs but like I, I write about them um, and I, I find that like a really good way of like dealing with um, thoughts and, and emotions and things um, so I was like when I came to realisation that like regardless of whether I perform or not I'm always going to write and it's just something I'll, I'll probably do for the rest of my life um, I kind of got a lot more comfortable with being like okay well this is something I'm going to do um, and like I said to you before like Again, it was that whole thing of like being an Irish rapper or like calling yourself a rapper. It was like, like a baker is somebody who bakes, uh, yeah. whatever, a swimmer is somebody who swims or a rapper is somebody who raps. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah, I fit that, I fit that mold. So like, um, yeah, it's in terms of like ambitions and stuff, um, I've, I've a stack of songs that I've written that I haven't recorded or put out. Um, and now that I've kind of, broken that that um, that barrier of, of like putting the FRC sounds in and um, I'm just working on just recording the rest of them and, and just putting them out and getting them up just getting them up there yeah um again it's like no mad ambitions for them to to do well or not do well it's just put them out see what happens if people like them they like them if they don't they don't and um, but they're all they're all kind of my opinions on these topics and I stand by them like there's nothing there's nothing that I, I wrote like two years ago, they'd look back at me and be like, oh, do you know what? I don't know about that. I probably shouldn't have said that. Like, I'm very careful about what I put on paper and what I put out. Yeah. Um, and there are opinions that, like, like I write about things like I think don't get talked about enough. Um, that I, and I'd like people to, to hear these these angles and these these takes on stuff. Um, so I'm like, look, I'll, I'll keep, as long as I have stuff in, in the backlog to record, I'm going to just keep recording them, I'll keep putting them out. Um, I was told recently that like my timelines are way too tight that like like I put out a song last month I put out another one yesterday I have another one coming out in November um, I might have two in November I probably have two and a half Christmas 
Um, but again, I'm not like, I'm not doing the fuller big release thing and I'm not like trying to get reviews from people in music magazines and get on the radio and stuff. Like I, I know the stuff I do is very niche. I know it's how you play it on daytime radio. Um, but I just want to get it out there and the right people I hope will find it, like the people who are engaged in these topics and hopefully it's it's beneficial to them because they're kind of the people I'm writing for, like the people yeah. who are campaigning on these issues yeah. and just being like, yeah, no, this is this is something that you might find useful, this is something you might find. Um, yeah, well, like as you say, it's you said a few minutes ago that when you go into a, a studio and then you'll, you, you outwardly say, like, I'm not a music expert, but I go in with a message and I go in with an emotion that I want to communicate and basically my job is to make sure that the song communicates that. Um, and I think that is, it's quite clever really. And it's very, clever is not the right word. It's, um, it's impressive that you, you can do that. And I think it's really important. I think going back as well also to what you said about thinking carefully about what you, you're right, like you, you, when you're tackling these topics, like what we're going to talk about in a little bit is, um, it's important that you can like stand by your word. But I also think it's important that, you know, in the future you can uh, possibly readdress something if it needs to be readdressed. Um, I'm, I'm not, I was just, but I'm saying that about anybody, I'm not talking about you. And just because I was listening to, I was actually listening to an interview with uh, Bonnet the other day, and he, talk, he was talking about, um, was he talking about sustainable energy? Um, I, I know he's not the go-to person for any of this kind of stuff, uh, but it was just interesting that basically he said, yeah, he was before very against nuclear energy, um, but now he said, actually, I think we were wrong in campaigning that way, and we now, I think, should be you know, more open to that because of the, you know, it might help with the Putin greenhouse gases, etc. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree with that, but I'm, what I'm saying from his point of view, I thought it was admirable that he said, actually, we were wrong, you know? Um, and I think that's, I think it's important to like to, today as well, even if I say something that's important for someone to like, if they explain something to me and I go, oh, actually, you know, I, I think I could be, not that I'm wrong, but I think I, I didn't understand that at this point in time, you know? And yeah, I think that's important. I mean, like what I said about, I still agree with the things I wrote before. Like, yeah, in 10 years time, I might disagree with them, but I suppose my point was that like, I wrote them so the people would hear them. Yeah. Um, and I'm comfortable with them. Like I'm comfortable putting music out now and I'm comfortable with, with the ideas that I have put together. So like, you know, my, my main goal is just get them, get them out and, and kind of get them, get them into the public. Um, but I do agree with you that like, I think it's a thing. There's this idea that you can go back over somebody's Twitter feed and find something they wrote 10 years ago. Yeah. And like, that's who this person is. I'm like, people do have the ability to change. And like, yeah, if you call it, if you want to call yourself a progressive, it's like your ideas may well progress over years. Like, I probably don't have the same like, opinions I had when I was 18, when I was 15, whatever. Right. Um, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this, like, and and what the stuff I put out today, I definitely don't have all the answers, and, and there's definitely stuff that people won't agree with. Um, and then again, it, I, I may not agree with in the future, but I'm, I'm comfortable enough to share with people. I guess, I'll yeah, give it enough consideration, and like, no, like, 
with the situations that are happening at the moment, this is how, this is what I think about them. Mm. Um, and yeah, like, I think there's nothing wrong with, with Barrow changes mind on, on an issue. And what happened at this field on Monday in I think, mm. as for the record, I think it's, it's just kicking the can down the line. Like, they have, yeah, they have no solution for Nicola Waste. Like, the, the, best, the best idea is let's dig a big hole in Norway and bury it underground yeah. and hope that nobody finds it. And it's like, we've never, Human, civil, like, human civilization has never stored anything for hundreds of thousands of years. Yes. Like we've stuffed at pyramids and new grains of like 5,000 years old and they're, I mean, they weren't found in pristine condition. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's stuff that we find all the time. There's templates stuff that you find in the Amazon and stuff that's been lost to, to history. Like the idea that we can manage this for 100,000 years, 200,000 years yes. is ridiculous. Exactly. It's, it's not, I mean, we have no evidence to show that we could do that. Um, countries constantly redraw borders, seismic activity over that period of time. Like there's, there's low, I know that that is considered in, in some of the sites, but like it's, uh, mm. it doesn't feel like a good solution to me. And also when we have other alternatives um, and particularly ones that could be community owned, like you could have community owned renewable energy mm-hmm. projects. Um, Nuclear energy is very much a game for rich capitalists. I'm, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no small village in Ireland that can chip in and, and build a dull nuclear energy power plant. Yeah. And so it's got to be very much small concentrations of, of wealth that have gotten us into this fossil fuel mess, yeah. transferring into nuclear energy and, and then also having control and, and, and looking to push the same mindset, the same agenda of more, more, more growth, growth, growth. And um, who cares about consequences? Because we have shareholder quarters that we need, or quarterly shareholder targets that we need to meet. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't feel like a wise solution. It's like if you're going to shake up the system and you're going to build something new, let's do right this time. Let's not let's not just yeah steer ourselves into new prices. Yeah, yeah, you're on. So uh, you know, like I can say that I, I I've heard all the arguments and nuclear energy is lower carbon than fossil fuels, um, but it brings up it brings up problems that aren't necessary when you have. I'm actually going to be in Costa Rica next week uh, when I'm going to work. And uh, Costa Rica, this doesn't get said enough. Costa Rica has been running off 99% renewable energy since 2015. Mm. Yeah. What other country in the world is doing that? Costa Rica has, has, and it's not solar. Everyone's like, oh, well, it's a really sunny country. Like 2% of their renewable energy is solar. Most of it is hydroelectric, which a lot of people do have issues with, and geothermal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, my look, people have issues with hydroelectric. It's it, um, it, re- it involves kind of a lot of habitat destruction. Yeah. Um, but and, and uh, as I said, if, if if your goal is like low emissions, um, obviously there's like embodied carbon in everything that's built with concrete and stuff. But compared to burning fossil fuels, it is it's obviously a lot lower carbon. But yeah, the fact that like Costa Rica found a way to run off renewables pretty much 100%. Yeah. Uh, has a GDP, the fraction of Ireland's, but like population about the same size. Mm. Um, yeah. No, I'll be talking with these things. And it's like, we have, there are better solutions. It's been proven in other countries. We, we don't need nuclear power plants. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, it's they, like you're forever, we're, especially on climate change, so we're forever being told that there's new technical, technological invention just around the corner and we're going to, be able to sort all our problems and it's always just around the corner and it's always technology will save us. So we don't, 
we have the solutions that the answers are all they already exist we don't need to develop something new or just figure out this new problem it's like we have we have workable solutions and and they're being ignored yeah how does sound absolutely right about your no 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 like it's actually it, interesting and what what i what i often come to in my my stupid kid basic question that like comes to my mind is why do we not make this change and i know the answer is is got to a bunny right um and as you said with or you know that transfer of money or that transfer of wealth from whoever's making the excuse me the money now into who will be making the money for renewables and I know that's that's the that's the thing and and it's it's just very frustrating and very sad yeah um, very sad it yeah. is um and it, and again it's 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 one of these things where and um, if, if 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 you ask the child to explain this and you see it with like the school strikes it's like children have figured this out um the fact that we're told by men in suits that like oh you need to be more reasonable and you need to like consider all the the options here and we're we're, we're progressing gradually and it's like you need to be more reasonable and mm. you're you're literally playing with the future of, of human existence and that's not hyperbole like that is that's what we're talking about um and it's I try not to talk too much about the doom and gloom side of things, but like that is actually what's on the table here. Like you're you're seeing more and more flooding, more and more storms, wildfires. Um, it's there's no like if you look at like nature on other planets, like we like human beings, we we kind of have this idea that we've conquered nature, that we've tamed nature, and like nature is incredibly powerful. You look at there's trying to big. Uh, if you look at a picture of Jupiter, it has that big dark spot in. That's like a like a storm's dawn, and um, it's been raging for like five hundred years. That's like bigger than Earth. Um, there's like in this moons um, where like it it like it's freezing cold or roasting out or whatever. There's this place where it like rains, sheds a glass almost. Yeah. Um, it's like there's nothing that says Earth has to be chill. Yeah, anyway, we we can tip the scales, and and we're seeing that start to happen. Yeah, have some idea that like. The people who are giving out with this problem are the ones who are being reasonable. Um, is a bit ridiculous when you look at like the larger scale of things of like, what what are we actually gambling here versus like what's the benefit and who benefits? It's like a huge gamble for all of all of humankind and the rest of of the species on the planet, um, for very little payoff. Really big benefit for a small number of people. It, it doesn't it doesn't seem like a like a logical solution, but we're told that that we need to be reasonable and, and we're the ones who aren't thinking logically, you know? Yeah, it's it's hard to take. I don't know. Congratulations on Badge of Honor. Oh nice one, Badge. Yeah, that was great. I love I love the song. Cheers, cheers. And how did it come about? Um like most of my songs it came about from from frustration that I, I couldn't ignore anymore. Mm-hmm. Um so the the song is about um, Irish neutrality, and it's mainly focused around what's gone on in the last year, um, whereby we're seeing the war in Ukraine being used as a as a leverage point to like push Ireland into NATO, which is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is an enormous um, military organization, a military alliance. Um, Ireland, as most people in in Ireland would know, is Started with a neutral country, and it's something that we're quite proud of. Yeah. Um, 
over over 70% of people when polled in Ireland have said that they prefer voice neutrality and they want Ireland to remain a neutral country. Yeah, and I think that was like to do with, um, just for people who might be listening, and I was actually just, like before you came in, I was having a look at people where people listen to this. So um, I, I'm just very shocked at how it spread internationally. Because a lot of people listen to Australia, there's Brazilian, there's, they might not have a clue about what you know Irish neutrality is, but from my understanding, um, Irish neutrality was born out of like let's say an anti-colonialism and uh, perspective, and um, yeah, and that kind of like we're taking a neutral stance in order to kind of defy that aspect of colonialism, etc. And um, I think then perhaps during World War Two, there you know there was. I would say assistance given, but like a certain aspect, like I think there were some planes that were downed in Ireland that were then, you know, transferred up to the UK or sorry, to the north, which is to the UK, and um, I've handed over. But that um, hasn't really extended beyond that. I think there's also something that is good to know, which is this, this is it the three pillars of Irish neutrality. The triple lock. The triple lock. Excuse me. Um, the triple lock. Where, whereas if, I think, I, like I've just got the name wrong, so I'm going to get this wrong. And <laughs> the triple lock has got something to do with if if Ireland can send up to twelve military personnel, maybe they don't have to be troops, but military personnel, they could be training or whatever. It has to be approved by uh, the Irish government, by the Dáil, by the Senate, and by the UN. So it's. Yeah, but if we want to send more than 12 troops abroad, um, we have to get a mandate from the UN Security Council. We have to get a mandate from the Irish government and the Dáil as well also have to agree to it. So the Dáil being uh, our parliament parties, yeah. the opposition parties and the government parties. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, this was, was kind of the origin of, of uh, Irish neutrality. Um, and... The badge of, honor, badge of honor as a song is about how we're potentially losing this Irish neutrality. Um, and how, how has that been happening over the last year? Yeah, so I mean, one point that I just want to clarify in terms of the name of the song, um, as I said, Irish people are very proud of our neutral stance. We can go all over the world and we're, we have no enemies. You yeah. film that yourself. You go to any country in the yeah. world and people, people love the Irish, yeah. we're told all the time. And it, it, it tends to be pretty true, but we don't... We, we've never invaded anybody. We're not in anyone's history books as the enemy. Yeah. Um, and for like a relative, like for a wealthy Northern European country to not have colonized anybody is actually pretty rare. Um, yeah, and very. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, so I know um, Reginald Deop, this is off topic, Reginald Deonter, he's like an American comedian. Yeah. I remember he had a skit before where he was talking about like um, Irish people are white without the entitlement. Okay. Um, which like again like not not there is where's that mind but um, after the period, I but yeah there was a sense of, of, of that like Irish people were, were, were white people but they didn't have the same entitlement that like British people had or that, that maybe white Americans had or French people um, again this is like don't put this in the fucking newspaper this is a this is a comedy sketch that somebody else wrote yeah. but um, but yeah what, what I, the, point, the point of the song was that Irish people are proud of this and we, we wear it as, as a, a badge of honour essentially yeah. um, but there's been many many attempts over the last couple of decades to, to get rid of that neutrality and to have us sign up with NATO um, 
I'm, I'm sorry for people listening who aren't really aware. So if you were to join NATO, um, one of the the agreements in this alliance is that like if one country is attacked, everybody piles in. We all go to war, mm. and so basically we would end up being um, being being obligated to go to war yeah. for issues that may or may not concern us. Yeah. Um, and it's th- the point is that like democratically, like we should decide whether or not we go to war. We shouldn't be pulled into a war for something that we had no say in. Yeah. Um, what we've seen is this year, particularly, as I said, with since the, this has been going on for, for, for decades. Um, I don't know if you remember the Nice Treaty. Yes, I do. Um, no. Part of the Nice Treaty, um, there was a risk of, so the, part of it was about setting up a common EU um, defense um, system. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of fears in Ireland that we would lose our neutrality, that we'd become part of this common kind of EU army type of set up and that we'd yep. be obligated to, again, get involved in battles and wars that had nothing to do with us. Yeah. Um, Irish people rejected the Nice Treaty. Yeah. And we were made to vote again the second time. Yes, that was, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I forgot about that. One of those democratic issues where, oh yeah, you, you're entitled to vote to do that. You actually got it wrong. Can you go back and, and vote again? But like, you know, make up your own mind. But like, we're going to keep doing this until you get it right. I remember that. That was like, they had sent out pamphlets to houses and I think it was that the EU said, you confuse people with the pamphlets or so things. I, I can't. Or was that there was a Lisbon Treaty? As yeah. Well. So um, both of these actually are related to Irish neutrality. So the Nice Treaty was first, um, and then again we got assurances that um, it was the the Seville Declaration that, that we wouldn't this wouldn't impact our neutrality. Um, so then we we agreed the second time and we we ratified it with that assurance. Mm. Um, then in 2008, I think, was it 2008? When was the Lisbon Treaty? Whenever the Lisbon Treaty was. It sounds about right. Yeah. Um, again, there was, so the Lisbon Treaty, there was a, a kind of a section within that that would become part of the EU constitution. Um, that was. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The mutual defense clause that basically said if any EU country is attacked, everybody else is obligated to, um, to armed resistance, basically, or to, to armed response, um, which again would wipe out, wipe out our nature of stance. Um, and again, Irish people rejected it, mm. and we were told we had to vote again. And the second time, um, Protocol 21 was added, which basically was kind of a, a clause that allowed us to maintain our neutrality. 
Um, and that's where the, the triple R came into place there, I think. Mm-hmm. So we, um, we basically kind of um, solidified our, our stances like, okay, in order for us to go to war, we have to have a UN mandate, or sorry, in order for us to send more than 12 troops abroad just to get involved in, in a military conflict, um, UN mandate, Irish government ratification, and the Dáil ratification, or Dáil confirmation. Um, which again, it's like, why would we want to be getting involved in in a war without those things? Why, like, if if the UN doesn't agree with this, why would we want to be sending troops in? Yeah. Um, so yeah, as I said, the Lisbon Treaty, we were made for the second time because we rejected it. We got another assurance that it, so there's been attempts to erode our neutrality for a very long time. Yeah. Um, the latest one has been happening again since the one Ukraine broke out. There's been um, a lot more pushes towards this. And in the last year, we've seen um, Michal Martin, who's now tarnished a previous Taoiseach, um, was saying that in order to get rid of Ireland's um, neutrality, we actually wouldn't need a referendum. There's, it's possible to do this through policy. And she's like, first of all, why, why are you saying that out loud? That's the quiet part. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, why, why do you think along those lines why would you want to do this without getting to people's say it's because he knows that there's no public support for this mm. as I said more than two thirds of people in Ireland are happy with and they want to, want, want to keep it um, so then this year we saw over the summer um, what was called consultative forums so rather than go to the people in a referendum or like a citizens assembly or something more democratic and have the people have their say on our neutrality um, the government set up this thing called a consultative forum where it was kind of designed to look like they were having the debate but the, but the forum was stacked with like big industry heads big military heads um, former NATO people um, <laughs> there was I don't think anyone from the Irish anti-war movement was invited to speak um, so it was like set up in a way that was designed to give the idea that we're having this impartial discussion and we'll see what conclusion we arrive at. And but really, they were aiming towards steering this in one direction and one direction only. What What is the motive, do you think? Because, like, no, we're a small country. Uh, you know, politicians are politicians, right? Sure. But I think, you know, as a country of five million people, they can't be that far. I mean, if, if the majority of people are for neutrality in Ireland, why would politician be... Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, for neutrality. Why would a politician be against neutrality? Yeah, and this is... Before I answer that, there's one thing I want to clarify. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons I want to have an interview to discuss this song was because I get this in emails as a father time of like, I am not anti-Ukraine. I am not pro-Russia. My purpose for, for pursuing neutrality, first of all, is this. Um, it's the democratic will of the people in Ireland. Um, and un- until people decide that, that they've changed their minds on this, it should remain the case. It shouldn't be decided by a small number of people in government. Yeah. Um, but also the reason for our neutrality, we have a tiny military. Mm. We've 8,000 people in our army. I, I played this song at Electric Picnic, and I said, I'm, I was saying on the stage, like, there's more people at Electric Picnic than there are in the Irish army. Yeah. The idea that we would make a dent in the war in Ukraine is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Our biggest strength and where we could really help people in Ukraine and Russia and in, in any other conflict is in pushing for peace talks. Yeah. Every conflict, every war has to come to an end through diplomacy. Yeah. And Ireland as a neutral country, as a rich Western EU country that has never colonized anyone and has a history of being colonized itself, 
Yeah, we're trusted as a as a peacekeeper and as a as a peace broker by countries in Europe, by countries in the global south. Um, that's where we can have an impact, and we can punch way above our weight, and we have a strong history doing that. And that's why I want to maintain our neutrality because it can actually bring an end to wars. Us getting involved militarily will not bring an end to this war. It'll, yeah. at, it'll at, at best it will have no impact. At worst, it will further escalate. Yeah. Um, I fully like. I, I agree. You'd love to see Ireland involved in that type of, or really advocating for for that type of of solution to things. And uh, as you say, like someone who, um, you know, like uh, let's just say the war escalated more in Russia. That we, you know, we've equally take people from you know, fleeing Russia sure. as, as we've been taking Ukrainians or people who are just fleeing war, where the victims of war. Exactly. Um, because, but. I've, I don't want to speak from the point of view, and I know like we've always had this the colonialism thing here too. So we quite have a very emotional response to to this. So I understand that people will get annoyed by what I say, but you know, at the end of the day, these borders are all just made up, and it's like there's just if we look at it from a very very uh, macro level perspective, there's just they're just victims of war, and and, and people are, are dying, and it's just it's horrible. There's no yeah, there's no positive thing that comes from that as far as I can see. So for Ireland to take it uh, on a global level, as you say, not to act as a, a military Arab is, you know, we can't and we shouldn't, but we also can't, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it would be nice to see us perform that role. Um, what, what I'd ask, uh, and this might not be, it's my, not my opinion, but what some people might say is, from a strategic point of view, if there was a, a global war, Ireland can be looked at as a very weak link in whatever this Western enemy looks like. So if Russia or whoever wanted to attack, they might say, well, let's, let's just take out, you know, we had that video I think at some point during the year where they, last year where in Russia, they were played this propaganda where they could like we could wipe out Ireland in a second with some kind of what was it like a a, a tsunami? They were, somehow they'd be able to create a tsunami and that would just in one go say see you later Ireland. So some people might be looking at that and go, well, if we're members of NATO and we're we're more protected from something like that. Sure, uh, that's a good question. I'm going to answer it, but I already didn't answer your last question, which was uh, why our politicians look at the of our neutrality, which I think yes. is an important one to answer. Yeah. Um, there is, as I said, first of all, there's a lot of pressure from other NATO countries, and let's be frank, NATO, I think something like over 75% of NATO's funding is from the US. Um, US military industrial complex is really big business. There's huge money to be made in arms. Um, and even see in Ireland, which, like, again, we don't think with this stuff at all, but uh, there's an article um, last year showing that. I think it was in the Irish Times, um, showing that Ireland actually made more money from... So we have, we don't really produce, like, out-and-out weapons in Ireland, and we don't really have, like, weapons factories like they do, like they had in the north or like they do in, in the UK. Um, but we do have what's known as, like, dual-purpose technology or dual-use technology, which is, like, military and other purpose. So it's, like, we provide... We, we produce a lot of, like, technical solutions that can be used on battlefields and, and kind of radar and sonar and these types of things. Mm. But they could also be used at like an airport probably, but like they're like yeah. dual, they're dual use. So they're not like, we're not, we're not creating like 
um, like bombs or, or like munitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do these other things. And we also create like like accessories to weapons. So like we, we create, I'm, I'm sure we, like there's some company in Ireland that produces like the casing for like turrets for like anti-aircraft um, artillery. But it doesn't create like the gun itself. It just creates like a casing for it. But it's like, I mean, that can't like, that's, is that dual use? Like maybe you could like use it as a flower pot or something if you wanted, but like it's not like, that's yeah. being built for one purpose and one purpose only. Yeah. But we made more money from the dual use technologies than we do from beef exports. Okay. Um, which we are always told is like our biggest export industry and is, is a huge export industry for Ireland. Yeah. Um, so there is huge money to make war. Um, but also just political pressure, like Ireland's economy through our like enterprise strategy has been built off this idea of attract US investment through in tech companies to big pharma um, and kind of give them whatever they want. We always hear Ireland is the best country to do business in and because we have really lax um, tax enforcement and and, mm. and we kind of let large corporations do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, and our family, a large portion of it does come through through US foreign direct investment. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of at the beck and call of what the US want us to do as well. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of they would like to use Ireland for military bases and not just have to kind of slink in and out of Shannon Airport in secret. Yeah, um, yeah and, and, and just to just have a kind of a unified Western European front um, as well. Like, Ireland as an example of a neutral country um, may inspire other countries to pursue a similar path, um, which obviously if you're, if, if, if you're kind of major... Um, influence on the world comes to your military might. You don't want to see good examples of, of countries who walk away from that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of one of the reasons why we're being pressured into this. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, so the other question you had was like, oh, could Russia just wipe us out? No problem. Are we at risk if we're not, if we're not um, aligned to a, a military alliance? I mean, a couple of things on that. Um, first of all, and you see it in those forums, there's like an awful lot of of kind of fear mongering around Russia and yeah. um, like Russia the, the idea that Russia is going to come across Europe and, and invade Ireland is, is it's, it's, it's ridiculous really um, at, like at the moment it's bogged in in a war on its own in its own backyard but there's yeah. there's cities 200 miles from its border yeah. that are that are um, kind of defending themselves against Russian army now saying that the Russian army haven't they can escalate further and there's nothing almost that they almost have unlimited es- um, ability to escalate. Um, they had shown, again, I'm not pro Russia, I'm just like stating what I can see happening. They have shown some restraint in, in Ukraine. Um, obviously, they have weapons that they haven't yet deployed. They've committed horrendous war crimes, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. The initial aggression to start the war is, is an illegal act. Um, but they could escalate further. But the, but yeah, the idea that they're going to attack Ireland, first of all, if they did, <laughs> Ireland is not going to defend itself against the Russian army. Um, we're, we're just not going to be able. Like if, if they if they want to wipe us out, yeah, they could. Um, but it doesn't matter how much more money we pump into our military, we're not going to get to a level where we're going to compete with the Russian army. Yeah. Um, but again, as I said, the idea that they're, they're going to cross Europe and do that is is not is not likely at all. Um, why would they do it in the first instance? Like there is. And again, it's it's difficult. And you see, people on the left always have to qualify this by saying, like, any any contradiction or any kind of criticism of 
of NATO or of, of Ukraine's position um, is deemed as like pro-Russian propaganda. Again, I think Russia is a terrible authoritarian state. Um, like the work that I do in my nine to five and the work that I do through my music could not exist in Russia. Yeah, and tell me, I'm very conscious of that fact that like the ability I have to speak out on these things is a privilege that a lot of people don't have in a lot of countries around the world. Um, yeah, but also let's just so yeah. just one take on that. Yeah, and yeah. um, like Russian regime, because like I, I've as a past English teacher, I just you know I met so many Russian people that were just so nice, and um, and I've listened to a lot of uh, documentaries and podcasts of of Russians who have subsequently fled Russia, and um, because they're so active in the regime, I've seen people who you know who want to protest but can't because they'll be put in prison. Yeah. Um, so I just don't want to like I I don't want I don't want to create a, an enemy of people. No, hundred percent. I know that's not what you're doing, but I, that I'm supporting you and what you're saying. So when you're saying that you're against the Russian regime, you're not against the Russian people. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but again, just to, to state that, like the reason that this war has kicked off in the first place is a lot to do with NATO expansion under Russia's borders. Like when you talk about kind of the conflicts and the tensions between like this is fraudulent this is a proxy war between the US and Russia you know when you look at where the, those tensions are happening and when you look at where we, you hear all this insane talk of like tensions with China which again is like madness like the idea that you, the US cannot go to war with China it would be lights out for everybody yeah so that like don't even entertain that it's, it's being entertained as like a possible um possible foreign policy position it's it's insanity yeah but anyway like where are these tensions happening they're happening on the russian border they're happening in the south china sea they're not happening off the coast of california they're not happening on the border of mexico and the u.s they're not happening on the canadian border um yeah. they're happening in these countries back airs like nato like russian ukrainian neutrality has always been a red lane for russia yeah. and that's been well understood by by U.S. ambassadors and, and everyone else. Um, the, like again, the the movement to include Ukraine in NATO has definitely led to the escalation of these tensions, and and it's it's a massive part to play in why this war is broken out. Again, not excusing Vladimir Putin's actions to to invade another country is is an illegal act, and it it, it shouldn't be tolerated. But um, again, they absolutely. Where do I go? into this? I suppose just that. What purpose would they have to attack Ireland? And do you know, I mean it's like Ukraine is right on their border? It's on the like Ural Plains, which are a traditional invasion route for for Russia throughout its history. Um, like it's very important to them that that Ukraine is a neutral country and that they don't have NATO weapons that close to Moscow. Um, again, at, like we're told in Ireland, under the threat of Russia, like Russia has no business coming to Ireland. That we're not under any threat from them. Our biggest threat in terms of defending ourselves will come from like realistically will come from the UK, France or the US like and they, they have no reason like they're we have good relations with those countries but like if, if anyone was to invade us it would be one of those countries um, yeah. I just, we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to fight those militaries off like no, we, we gained their independence through guerrilla warfare and um, yeah. the US in Vietnam similarly like it wasn't it wasn't a battlefield army versus battlefield army which is what you're seeing in Ukraine now um, that's not an option for us. It's not like no matter how big we grew our army, we wouldn't be able to to fight off these powers. And um, so it's it's kind of a, a false flag argument when people say that. It's like, 
or we need to be able to, to defend our borders. It's like, first of all, from who and why? And second of all, even if we wanted to, would we be able to? And if we can't, should we not maybe invest that money in housing or some of the problems that we could actually solve? Um, yeah, sorry. No, I, I, no, I think the other, the only thing I can possibly think of, just try to look at it from, from their point of view and a strategic point of view as well. And I don't know what I'm really talking about, but um, the, the only thing that I would imagine, and I'm, I'm very anti uh, Ireland joining NATO, but from, I don't think Russia would have any interest in invading Ireland or uh, attacking Ireland, but it might have an interest in wiping out Shannon and Knock Airport. Purely from the point of view that if this weapon is being transported from the US, they might say, well, let's stop that from happening and let's just take out those two airports. And um, probably just to be obviously more of a nuisance, and um, it's purely from a point of view of strategy. Um, and I guess maybe then the US is saying, well, if they're a member of NATO, there'll be less chances that they'll take out our weapons route. That's what I'm. Well, probably entirely wrong, but from an, that could be a perspective that's been taken. Yeah, I'd actually argue the opposite. I would say that if we became a member of NATO, we then make ourselves a target. All right. Um, yeah. And again, if we had NATO bases on the island, um, I know that they may actually, I think there are NATO bases in the north, but, but still, um, as regards the Republic, um, abandoning our neutrality actually makes us more of a target and, and heightens the chances that we would get involved in, in a conflict like that. And again, also, it would mean we'd have an obligation to fight on behalf of other NATO countries that, that find themselves attacked or involved in conflicts um, without our say. Like, if, if, if people decide that that's what they want to do, okay, there's nothing stopping. I get people messaging me all the time, and like, oh, like, we need to stand up to bullies and we have to go over. First of all, it's more complicated than standing up to bullies. Um, like you're talking with the, the fate of Ukraine is hangs in the balance of, of how this war goes. Um, but also, if you want to go fight for Ukraine, you can go to Dublin Airport right now and go and do that as an individual. Yeah, and there's nothing people have. Yeah. yeah, people have. And look, fair play to them. That's, that's their own decision if you yeah. want to fight for, for that. But the idea that people want to send other people's sons and daughters over there um, to feel good about themselves that they stood up to the boat. And again, so if it comes to a good place, um, yeah, like... As I said, Putin is the main aggressor in this war. He, he initiated the, the fighting. Um, and people have a visceral reaction to like, oh, he needs to be shut down. That was wrong. He needs to be stopped. And I totally get that. But what we need to, we need to kind of realize is like the intricacies of what that means. So the best, I mean, the, this war, as I said, it, it, it can come to an end in one of two ways, one of three ways, really. Either there is a diplomatic negotiated ceasefire, mm-hmm. or one side, one of the two sides collapses, capitulates, um, and it would be Russia. I mean, it just won't. Russia has. Ten times the the manpower of Ukraine. Like if 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 you're if you're talking longevity of fighting, like it's the idea that this that Ukraine could actually win Russia could actually be Russia. Unfortunately, like it's it's sold to us here as like a real possibility. Um, but if you're to actually look at the look at the likelihood of that happening, first of all, as I said, in terms of like munitions and manpower, the Russian army is just so much bigger than the Ukrainian army. But also, it has. 
it has time and weapons. Yeah. It, it could escalate this thing further, which nobody wants. Um, and the idea that like, if, if Ukraine was to start pushing them back and, and, and Putin was going to lose this war, and he was going to lose the war, that he wouldn't then use the weapons at his disposal to escalate them, that's, that's a gamble that, that's not worth taking. Um, and then the third is that you just have a stalemate and the fighting goes on for 10, 15 years and Ukraine is absolutely destroyed. And I mean, the only option within those that I see is, is, is in any way sensible is negotiating ceasefire. Um, and it will have some uncomfortable kind of concessions, like Putin will have to be given a way to save face to his own people, that like he can claim that he got something. And one of those things will probably be Ukrainian agreement to neutrality. That can come with, with military assurances from Russia. Like it doesn't have to be a one-sided thing. Um, and military assurances from the West, they can be agreements negotiated out. It may come with ceding Sevastopol and Crimea and maybe the Donbass, um, which again, it's up to the Ukrainian people whether they want that or not. Um, but negotiation, it's, 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 it's that or it's wiping out Ukraine. I mean, if, if you're in favor of, of supporting Ukraine, supporting people of Ukraine, um, I, I think, in, in my opinion, this is my position, is a negotiating peace deal is the only way to do that. Otherwise, you're, you're talking more and more death, more and more destruction. Um, and, and, and potentially, as I said, like potential further escalation to levels where you, you risk the end of, of humanity. Um, yeah. And that's an, again, I don't say that lightly, but like these, this is what we're talking here. Yeah. Um, which is why it, it, it makes, it, it seems, uh, and there have been peace agreements and there have been peace deals, and we're not told about this over here. We only hear about the fighting and, and yeah. the victories and the losses. Um, we like the peace negotiations should be on a ticker at the bottom of every news broadcast, saying like, "Oh, like negotiations happening today." Like, should we like like Premier League Sunday? Like, it's jummy. This should be the thing that everyone's paying attention to, um, uh, and advocating for and submitting yeah. and, and giving. Yeah. Whereas we see, like, I mean, Turkey came very close to a peace deal last April. Um, and then, but like NATO's position has been, do not negotiate with these people, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Again, what is that telling us up with? That, that is essentially saying like, continue the destruction of Ukraine. Um, but yeah, as I said, Turkey came close to, to negotiating a peace deal and then Boris Johnson turned up in Kiev and suddenly the whole deal was off and he was saying, no, no, we don't, we don't negotiate with these people. Keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Um, again, I, I would question who has Ukraine's best interest in heart there, at heart there. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like it's NATO. NATO, like Russia is being weakened by this war, um, and and Ukraine is being destroyed by this war. But while Russia is being weakened, if you look at who's benefiting, you see U.S. fossil fuel industry through LNG as as. Nord Stream 2 is blown up and you see um, people bought people um, no longer taking gas from Russia in Europe um, US LNG companies fossil fuel companies are doing amazing through exports to Germany and the rest of Europe US and industry again can't believe their, their luck in terms of, of how much profits they're making and like US agribusiness um, through grain and fertilizer and all these other exports um, are, are doing amazingly well and then the people who are suffering are the people in Ukraine, people in Europe who are going through cost of living crises and, and all these other things, um, and, and, and ordinary people in Russia as well. Um, again, it's, it's I, I, I just I, I want to make the points clear because 
I understand that like people would love to see Russia put back in their box and Ukraine to to expand its borders. And I know the majority of people in Ukraine have said that they want to see their old borders restored. Um, given the situation that they've been pushed into through NATO expansion, um, I, I don't see that as likely. And I'm looking at now what is actually likely and what, what do we want. Um, and what I would like to see is a negotiated peace deal. I don't know what the outcomes that would be, but I, I do think it's the only logical option is to is to hammer it out and find out what you are willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. Um, but continued fighting and continued escalation through um, we're seeing cluster bombs, you're seeing um, depleted uranium being sent to Ukraine. Um, today, uh, today, yesterday, Russia said that they're going to um, back out of the, the nuclear test ban. Um, again, just further escalations. It's like, we can keep fighting, we can keep fighting, but where is this going to lead to? And uh, It's not going to lead to some glorious victory where, where Russia shrink off into the, into the background. It's, that just isn't the case. I, I wish it was, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling there, but no, it's, like, very, it's, it's very, like, it's, the unfortunate thing, or maybe my belief is wrong, it's just these things are so hard to tackle, you know, because what we're talking about here is, is very, um, big organization, big powers in action where, um, it's fantastic that you're able to like educate yourself and educate others on what's happening. Um, and giving a perspective on it, whereas most people might be just going about their day-to-day -day lives and perhaps, you know, those people, including myself, can be easily swayed by whatever is being um, spun through the media or, or whatever. And I always think, I mean, I have, I've said this before, you know, you hear in the news a lot about, like, Russian propaganda and how... Uh, but, you know, we're not living in the land of saints and scholars anymore, unfortunately. I'm sure that we're receiving our own little bit of propaganda as well. It might be more difficult for us to identify. And I'm not saying that on the same level, but I'm sure it is there. It has to be. Um, because, as you said, there's some, in some ways, not that there's people making money from this war directly, or there, but there are actually. And it's, just, you know, it's the same in, in a lot of crisis situations. You know, in the pandemic, a lot of people made a lot of money as well. And that's a story for another day. Um, but I want to bring this back a little bit to Ireland because, you know, of course, the, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war is... I know I understand how... I totally understand how it's linked. Ireland, Damon, this has brought NATO into the conversation now in Ireland, which has then led to this aspect of neutrality. Um, but do you think, or how do you think, we can remain neutral through this? Like, is, do we have to, like, fight for our rights for a referendum? What is the... What's our step? Yeah, so as I said, that consultative forum um, happened all this in uh, in August, I think. Um, and the results have yet to come out. Um, okay, but what I would expect to see is, again, um, there's been, like, there's huge support for Irish neutrality. If, if, if they come out like, oh, you know, Irish neutrality is gone, sorry, we, we had a meeting, it's, it's over. They will get serious pushback. So the yeah. government know that they can't do that immediately. Yeah. Um, so what I expect to come back from that report will be, they won't say, oh, we'll, we'll get rid of neutrality, but what they will, they'll, they'll further erode it. So what, I, what I'd expect to see is recommendations to get rid of the triple lock. So what will be said is that 
or the triple lock um, because it needs a UN Security Council mandate, well, Russia and China both sit on the UN Security Council so they could veto Irish peacekeepers being sent somewhere. So, like, we can't have them decide where we send our troops. First of all, that doesn't happen. Like, and that, that's happened once ever where we've, where, like, an Irish peacekeeping meeting was, or our mission was, was vetoed. Um, that is not really an issue. Like, it's, that's a, again, that's a false flag. Um, the other thing that would be recommended, I would expect, is that we would increase our military spending. So, to join NATO, one of the conditions is 2% of your GDP has to be spent on defense budgets. What defense, it kind of double speak. Okay, offense, military, yeah, and true. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, countries used to have a minister for war, now they have a minister for defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I actually know how about that. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of Orwellian doublespeak, but um, yeah, yeah. So what we I expect what we'd be told is, um, and again we won't we won't raise our military spending to the two percent required to join NATO because that would be too much of an obvious step. At the moment, our military spending is about zero point five percent of our GDP. I'd expect that they'll say, "Oh, let's raise it to like one point five percent or something like that." So then the next time, going from one by five percent to two percent doesn't seem like a big jump. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's kind of what I expect will come from this. Um, but again, like the purpose of campaigning on this, and I mean the song is, as I said with, with all the music, like the song is like an add-on to the campaigning. Um, it's not like the main focus, but the purpose of all of this um, is is to have people realize what's going on and talk about these things and, and shed light on stuff that's being kept in the deck deliberately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. As I said, I don't think it's going to disappear overnight, but it's it's further erosion so that then one day it will disappear overnight. Um, and when you look back, you'll be like, oh, these were the steps that led us to that decision. Yeah. But um, now is the time that we need to, to kind of stand firm and, 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 and not allow for that erosion to happen. Yeah. It's um, it's important work that you do and, and important. I, and just in terms of educating people, I think it's really, it's really, really good, really admirable. Uh, I think you're a really impressive person. Um, and uh, yeah, keep keep going and, and keep keep searching. I, I said this to you before, and I said it was the last time that we spoke as well. And I guess it's I, I'm I admire the fact that you can do that, and then also be a normal human being. You know, because sometimes you know, particularly with climate things and stuff, if you think about these things too much, as you said before, it's very bleak. <laughs> you have to be able to go, okay, uh, I need to. Get some biscuits now. How do you switch out of all of this? I mean, the reason I do, the reason I work on these things, um, and the reason I pay attention to them is because I, I care about them and, and they're important to me. Um, and like, I don't know, I I feel like more people should be talking about these things. Um, and I find that when I do talk about them to people, that they're. They were unaware of this thing, but they're happy to know, know about it, and they have strong opinions on it. It's not that they didn't care about the issue; it's that nobody told about it. Yeah, and 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 as I, I give you were saying earlier, like the, the things that were told and things that were not told, um, and the things that our our society values and the things that our society shines a spotlight on versus what it doesn't, um, can often lead to these these weird dichotomies. And but yeah, as I said, like these are nobody is everybody's born knowing nothing. Like any of these issues. I learned from researching them and, and looking at, at, at 
analysis done by by journalists and and academics and people in the Irish anti-war movement. So like the and Kana, which is the the peace and neutrality um, alliance, the the Irish um, neutrality league, mm-hmm. um, and, and and all these other organisations. Um, and similarly with with different causes, um, it's there's there's people out there who know far more, but then can I do with these things? I learned from them, and when I when I learned these things, it pissed me off, and I was like, mm. why didn't I know about this? This is something that like I have a strong opinion on. I didn't know I had a strong opinion until you told me what the issue was, and now I realize that I think this is wrong and should be stopped. Um, and I, I'm just kind of passing that on to other people as best I can, I suppose. Uh, like I said to you with the music. Like with the, the other campaigning is by far more important than the stuff I do nine to five um, and, and outside of those hours too probably but like during the week the music is just an add-on I found it as a good way of that's how I got into music like it was it was as a way of conveying information to people um, and reaching more people um, and it, 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 it's a good way of doing that like I wouldn't be here talking to you and having the people who are listening to this podcast um, hear this information if it wasn't through the music side of things like that's how I got to know you that's you get to a gig with Luke yeah. Um, so that that's why I do these things, um, and that's that's kind of what drives me as well. Speaking of gigs, I wish I very much enjoyed that gig. Uh, that was back in February, I think. Was that it? was yeah, February twenty fourth. Year has been mad. Jesus. Um, any any upcoming things that we can look forward to? Uh, not at the moment. It's mostly, as I said, I had a couple of festivals in the summer, and yeah. but it's mostly just been working on recording and releasing at the moment. Brilliant. Um, I. Played a few gigs with uh, Jack Keishan, so Jack yeah, is Jack also uh, we should say is uh, is you know played on that recorded on that yeah, yeah yeah um, so that's how we ended up writing the song actually so um, the seven Jack board got booked to play Electro Picnic last year um, and we kind of found that, that we have kind of similar um, political perspectives on a lot of things and and, and a similar outlook. I remember he was saying to me at time, like, oh, like, I think your your music and, and my music are quite similar. Like, we should write a song together. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I just, like, don't have the time right now or whatever. But, um, yeah, if, if you have an idea for a song, shoot it over and, and I'll, I'll see. Because, again, I don't write to a schedule. Um, I kind of just write very sporadically like, when something yeah. inspires me to write. Like, this is needs to me. It's what we're going to, I'll do a song. And, um, and then all this neutrality stuff started happening and I, I kind of started scribbling a few lines for it and then I was like oh yeah sure Jack was on to about writing this I'm able to just ask him what he thinks on this and, and he was like wondering on the board and he, he was really enthusiastic with him um, so that's how we ended up working together on this track and, and again it's like I love working with new people um, and they bring things like camp and like obviously I can't sing um, Jack is a really good guitarist as well um, and just, just brings new ideas and new elements and, and, and kind of new energy to to a project instead of just just being me the whole time yeah um so yeah it's, it's been really hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It's been really positive to like um, to work with Jack on this stuff. Yeah, brilliant. I, I still have to meet him in person. I've, I've chatted to him online and stuff, but he seems like a great guy. Yeah. Um, and there's been a whole lot of stuff as well that I, I haven't spoken to you about. Well, we will do around a three. Yeah. Uh, so, because we haven't talked about the, we only mentioned it, but the liquefied natural gas and and your song um, Ellen Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, uh, it's it's a it's a it's a cheer. Mary enjoyed that one. And there's a whole other load of topics and, and also music that we could speak for. But I remember one person at the beginning when I started doing this podcast, she was like, um, you're not Joe Rogan. <laughs> no, she was good advice. I don't want to okay, yeah, yeah. But she's like, try and keep all of your episodes to a similar length. Um, and I'm not sure how long we've been going for, but I know more or less it's probably sure. right in the hour range. Uh, but I, I'd love to keep talking to you more, but um, with her in my mind, I don't want to do a two hour episode and she'd be like, I need you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, man, so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Done. Good.